turn again to the book of Judges today, and I just I want to say I love superheroes. I don't know about you, but the Avenger movies, the different people each having their own special ability, and then to kind of see how they use it for the good of humanity, that they grow and they become better, and they, I just, I like it. It's, we can do it, you know, and I bring that into my own context a lot. I, I start to seep in and think, well, we can do it. We can get better. We can attain. We can advance. We can, hey, informed by the truth, helped by God, look, we can go. And then, and then I start to look at the actual heroes of the Bible. Perhaps no one stands out more as a superhero than Samson. That's who we started on last uh, two weeks ago now, but we're going to pick it up again today. The real Samson story is chapter 16, and that's today. Samson's the first Avenger. He's literally getting vengeance for what he believes is wrong. And I start to realize that, you know what? Our impulse for self-improvement... Our impulse for self-attainment, our impulse for self-righteousness is actually our one of our very deepest problems. We are more screwed up than we can imagine because we take things that ought to be and they seem right to us that we act in a certain way, that we move forward in a certain way. And the Bible comes and it knocks it down for us. So we get to look at that again today. We get to see in this Old Testament story, God wrecking our view of what we think ought to be and coming back again to him. One of the things is that we don't understand the Holy Spirit. We think of him very little in our society where everything is about science and about what we can see. And not realizing the Holy Spirit is alive and acting in you and in me and he's producing what he wants and he's way more powerful than we can even understand. So that's one thing. But really what we want to do, you and I, me, I'm here with you. I want the accolades. I want you to see how I've accomplished with the help of the Spirit, but with me in control and making the right choices and doing the right things. I mean, haven't haven't you heard that? Haven't you been urged to love more, to be kinder, to be more gentle, to have joy in a tough situation? Like those are things you're going to work on and do with the help of the Spirit. And it's a paradigm, a way of thinking. Thinking we can turn them on and off. And so I want to open your eyes to this story because you are like Samson. Me too. (laughs) And so I'm going to say, Samson is a loser. Open your eyes to it. See it. And see yourself there. We're going to start there. We're going to start there in this winning losers. It's our second pass at Samson and in chapter 16. And I want to talk first about why we're losers. And I know I may offend you by kind of saying you're a loser, but you can walk around with the L. It's okay. If it's true, and they can, well, I used to be, but I'm not anymore. Okay, well, then listen to Samson with me and think about how you're chewing on your own life. Why we're losers. We'll start with Samson chapter 16. I mean, Judges 16, it's about Samson. And I want you to see how he's presented and think in terms of what we already know. 
Because we know some things about Samson. What do we know? We know that he's not the greatest of guys, but three times in chapters 14 and 15, the Holy Spirit rushed on him, and he did these mighty deeds of strength. Superhero stuff. And it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop in chapter 16. So come with me. It's a fun story. And again, you may be familiar with it, but I want you to look at the details with me. Samson, verse 1, went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute and went into her. Oh, my goodness. Dax, you're starting there? Yeah, that's where the scene comes up, right? The scene comes up with this statement that sets the whole scene for our chapter. Here's our hero. Into the prostitute he goes. Right? Probably a temple prostitute, which doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. He's following his desires. He's a loser. It's his own fault. Well, and there they are. The, the Gazites were told, Samson has come here. So they surrounded the place and they, they set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night saying, let us wait for him till the light of the morning. Then we will kill him. <laughs> it's okay, right, to laugh a little because it's quite the setup. Here's Samson, and he's he's in, in, in the warm, cozy bed somewhere, and there are these guys that want to get him, and they're going to stay up all night in the cold being quiet. But Samson, it says, lay until midnight. And at midnight he arose and he took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. So while these guys are waiting and quiet and bedded down in the cold, he gets up at midnight. It's not the light of dawn yet. They're not ready to take him. And he takes the gate of the city and, and he, it's, it's huge. That's how people would actually enter through the wall. And he heads toward the hill, says, that's in front of Hebron. Now, immediately what people want to do is they want to start arguing over about how heavy this gate was and how far he had to walk it. And the estimates range on the heaviness of the gate from 1,000 pounds to 8,000 pounds, which should just tell you it doesn't matter. Because you try lifting 1,000 pounds and walking a mile. You try carrying 8,000 pounds at all. Either one of them is just massive. He takes this massive structure on his back, and he walks either all the way to Hebron, which is 40 miles away, or even possibly not quite so far. He could have gone to the hill there that was pointed towards Hebron. That would be like five miles away. It doesn't matter. It's it's miraculously strong. It's crazy. And so you would have there in the trading lane that Gaza was, Gaza was on this trade route, you would have the, the, the people coming in going, what, what are the gates doing way up on that hill? And the city would be exposed and naked, and Samson would have done it. He's humiliating them. I don't care if it's a 1,000 or 8,000 or whether it's a mile or 40 miles. If it's anything beyond five feet, there's no way a normal human being would be able to do it. So two things. One, this great mockery of the Philistines, right? 
they're waiting outside in the cold to get him, get over his relaxing, and he's taking their gates and putting it on a hill where everyone could see it. And second, right along with that, do you see? Holy Spirit using sinful Samson to do what he wants. Samson's no paragon of, he didn't wake up and go, oh, I shouldn't be doing this with a prostitute. I better get up and go do something great for God. Not at all. And what you should see is that in our story, and he does this miracle, it's the same thing as what happened in chapter 14 and chapter 15. Each of those times it says the Holy Spirit rushed on him. And so I have no doubt that what happened is is that the Holy Spirit rushed on him again. Only this time, in our story as it goes today, we don't see the words. But we know, reader, We know His strength is from the Holy Spirit using Him. You start to see that He's clueless and we're right there with Him. He doesn't think He's a loser. He thinks He's a winner. He's special. He's he's evading these Philistines. He's mocking them. He's taking the gate up. He's doing it Himself. He thinks. He's got super strength. He's got the touch. He's got the inside game. He's got something. And so he's just living life out of his desires. And the Holy Spirit is actually doing some stuff in him. Interesting. That's just the start of the story. Because it starts in verse 4 with what you may know. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. (laughs) Samson and Delilah, right? And the lords of the Philistines came up to Delilah, verse 5, and said to her, Seduce him, and went and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him, and we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Delilah. Her name means devoted, so many people think she was a temple prostitute. Devoted to her God there, the Philistines. We don't know. We know she's a Philistine and she's loved by Samson and she's selling him out for silver. Sound familiar? What do they need? They need to know how to overcome him. He's got a secret. You know what this does for me? It makes me think he doesn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because they wouldn't be going, where does he get his strength from if the guy was like built on steroids? He must look like a normal man, and yet there he is doing these crazy things. How does he do it? Figure it out for us, Delilah. There's money in it for you. He's just been doing these miraculous things. You know why, reader, right? You know why, oh, student of the Old Testament. You've read chapter 14. You've read chapter 15. It's the Holy Spirit rushing on him. I wonder if he's going to tell her about the Spirit of Yahweh. So Delilah says to Samson in verse 6, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. Tell me the secret, Samson, she says. And so Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Huh? Total nonsense. He's playing with her. So cool. 
<laughs> I want to laugh with him. This is my guy. He's not going to be tricked by Delilah. He's going to play with her. And then so there he is. Delilah wants to betray him. He sidesteps. Of course, then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them, and now she had men lying in ambush in her chamber. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings, as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. <laughs> That'll teach them. He snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire. What's that? Poof! Right? What's that? That's the Holy Spirit. Right? Doesn't mention it. He's not thinking about that. But it's the same thing that happened in chapter 15 when they bound his hands and it said it melted like flax because the Holy Spirit rushed on him. He's playing like he's the strong man, a superhero. He can do whatever himself. That, that's not true. It's the Holy Spirit acting in him, right? Of course, I don't even want that to be. I want it to be Samson. Samson's my guy. Samson's cool. Samson's strong. Samson's not going to get played. Of course, he's lying to her. Yeah, she deserves it. Then Delilah said to Samson, round two, Behold, you've mocked me and told me lies. Why, yes. Yes, I have. Please tell me how you might be bound. So Samson said to her, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. What? Total lie number two. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Like a thread. Have you ever snapped a thread? It's pretty easy if you tie it around you. Poof. These are ropes binding him. It's nothing the Holy Spirit helps him. He just throws them off. Round two. Verse 13, it just continues this interaction. Delilah, who wants to betray him, no indication that he knows that. He's just messing with her, lying to her. These two are a fine pair. They belong together. Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. That's true. Tell me how you might be bound. Don't you think you might be tempted right there to say, you know what? It's the Holy Spirit, Delilah. I, I, I love you. I want you to know that God, God of Israel is the God. Nope. Not a hint. He said, if you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with the pin, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. It's like the loom, right? If you weave my hair and take my hair, it's a little closer, I suppose. But it's hogwash. Round three, my beautiful locks. Remember, he was a Nazarite, right, for his whole life. He hadn't cut his hair. They were a marker of his being consecrated to the Lord. It's laid out in Numbers chapter 6. You can read about it. If you take my holy hair, he says, and bind it up, then I'm toast. 
So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into the web. She made them tight with the pin and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away the pin and the loom and the web. (laughs) None of this is working, right? It's all play to him, not to her. She's after the big prize, thousands of silvers. But he loves her and he's lying to her. And it's not right. You're not supposed to lie. And it doesn't need to be a secret, does it? Does it need to be a secret that Yahweh's spirit is rushing upon him? That there is a God in heaven and it's it's his people's God. God makes him strong. The Holy Spirit rushes on him. That's been the statement of the entire story so far. But Samson's playing around. So I'm, I'm starting not to like Samson. Tell her that Yahweh is your strength, Samson. Be humble. You're nothing and God is everything and he delivers his people and stop lying to this woman that you say you love. She said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times. You have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And I know people laugh, well, that's what a woman can do to you. But that's not the point, right? No, no. Vexed to death, is it because he knows she'll betray him, but he loves her anyway? Is it because she's a terrible nag and guilt-inducing person? But he finally does, right? This is a build-up to finally does open up and tell her something that's closer to his heart. And he told her, verse 17, all his heart, and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Okay, that's a little weird. I mean, can you track with me that that's a little weird? He obviously believes it. He has he has he not been aware? Has we been told by the narrator? But Samson doesn't even know that it's the spirit of God rushing on him that's made him do these incredible things. Does he even know the God of Israel? He doesn't use God's name here. I've been a Nazarite to Yahweh. That's the name of God that's used in the text. Instead, a Nazarite to God, just a generic God. Well, it's my lengthy locks. It's my wavy cascade of hair. I've never cut it. I know it goes down to my ankles. Why does he think this? Who told him this? Does he, does he really think this? I mean, he, he's already, if you're very careful and you read the text, he's already broken his Nazarite vow because a Nazarite couldn't ever be by a dead animal even. And guess who is sticking his hands and scraping a dead carcass in chapter 14? A guy named Samson. Even the times that we've seen so far, if you're a thinker at all. Okay, so Samson goes to bed. And she binds his hands while he's sleeping. Is he just a really hard sleeper? 
can she take his hair and put it into a binding web and, and, and he doesn't real, he's sleeping that strong. Does he have narcolepsy? Or is, as is more likely, that he's had a bit too much to drink? Which, of course, is another part of the Nazarite vow. So there's hints in this story. There's, there's things that aren't quite ratting up to me, except I really want to fit it into my superhero model. Samson the good guy. Anyway, let's continue. Anyway, in verse 18, when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sat and called the lords of the Philistines, come up again. He's told me all his heart. This is what he really believes. It's his hair. So the Philistines came up to her and they brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees. She called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as other times, and I will shake myself free. This actually kind of implies that he didn't even think that the hair thing was right, right? I'm strong. I'll shake myself free, even with the shaved head. But he didn't know something. Not that he was shaved. He didn't know something else, something really important, this phrase. But he did not know that, not generic God, he did not know that Yahweh had left him. Here's a mention of Yahweh, not from Samson, from the narrator. Yahweh left him. You know what I think? Man, it took Yahweh a long time. Letting Samson use and abuse him, rushing on and using him, and he's such a punk. I'd be so much better. I'd use it much better for you, God. Give me super strength. And I got, okay, I get it. Now that must be the moral of the story, and I get it already. Watch out for witchy Pharisee women. Gals don't fall for the wavy-haired strong man. We're not surprised that he's brought low. We see it there. Huh? The Philistines seized him, and they gouged out his eyes. That's permanent. And they brought him down to Gaza, and they bound him with bronze shackles, and he ground at the mill in the prison. Man. I like Samson. I admire his strength. I'm amazed. I want his power. I want to be the hero. I just want to do it better. I want you to do it better. And in our hearts, you know, we tell ourselves this story, and we think we could. I'll use the Holy Spirit better. I'll be kinder and gentler and more loving and more joyful and more trusting, more. And, and so if the Holy Spirit would just rush on me, if I'm worthy, and then I'll be more worthy than Samson. And we go down those roads and we miss something. What do we miss? That you're a loser like he is. That I'm a loser. If there's a connection to Samson, it's not that we have the possibility of super strength. It, it isn't that I could have this blessing if I just believe strongly enough. It's that I'm a loser in spades. 
like him. He's hanging out in the world. He's cavorting with prostitutes. He loves the wrong people, and he wants the wrong things. He overlooks the blessings God has given him. And it's not about prostitution. It's about a prostituted heart. It's about desires that aren't God's desires, that you have, like I have. He overlooks the blessings God does give. He thinks he's doing things in his own strength. He's me. He's you. You think I'm accusing you wrongly? The Bible says you're tempted when your heart leads you astray. It says your heart is desperately wicked. It says that in you dwells no good thing. So go ahead and be offended, but you're offended at God who looks at you and says, you know what? You're caught up in yourself. Okay, I'll get right on that, God. No, I can't. Jesus said adultery is looking just with lust at something. Jesus said you should never get unrighteously angry. Jesus said you should never judge. I do all the time. You should love your enemies like yourself. You you think God blesses you because you kind of try to keep commandments that you really don't keep. You slap God in the face for the grace He gives you by thinking in your own head that it's about how faithful you are. Hi, Samson. Hi, Samson. You're a loser. This is how losers live. They are self-oriented, self-righteous, working on themselves, thinking about their own pleasures. It doesn't have to be crass sexuality like Samson. It can be earning a reputation. It can be collecting money or collecting stuff. It's all self-righteousness. It's all you. Don't get mad. It's me too. So, So this is why we're losers. We can't just think like God thinks. We don't. Samson didn't. So where's the hope? If they're saying, well, I am a loser, I really am, then the reality is losers win. How do we win? So I I want you to see that the story's not quite over. Verse 22. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. The Lord left him. It's not about the hair. But this is just a poke at the Philistines. I mean, if it was about the hair, don't you think that at least what they should do is keep him shaved? Dodos. They blinded him and they humbled him and he's pushing the millstone around at prison. It's total humility, but at least he didn't stay bald. Wait, does that mean his strength? No. It's about the presence of Yahweh. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And the people saw him. They praised their God, for they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country, who has killed many of us. Okay, this is a big deal. There's a sudden shift. Do you see the shift? It's been about Samson doing incredible acts of of individual amazing wonder. And it's been against the Philistines. Do you see what the Philistines are thinking? It's repeated twice so you don't miss it. Boom, boom. 
our God one. Whoa. I'm tempted to see this story individualistically. You know, the tragic hero story. If only he stayed faithful, if only he was better, if he had avoided the traps, if he'd been more, more focused on Yahweh and less focused on himself. Come on, dude, get it together. But that's not the story. The story for them is, ha, our God has triumphed over his God because obviously God has been giving him strength and we found out how the God works. He works through hair. So they've humbled him and broken him and they have him and it's true and he's a joke to them. And when their hearts are merry, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. Look at the mighty Samson. He was so cocky. He was so strong. And now he's blind and helpless. He is the entertainment. He can't even hold himself up. That's what it says, right? Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests that I may lean against them. Too weak to stand up. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Entertained by being the entertainment. And then out of the blue, never before, I haven't seen it in all of Samson's life, something amazing happens. Samson called to God. No, wait. No, 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 wait. Look, look, look so strongly at your text. It'll be little capital, L-O-R-D. Why? Because that's the word Yahweh. Samson called to Yahweh and said, Oh, Lord Yahweh, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Yahweh, help. I know it's not about my hair. I know it's only you. I want... Vengeance. Did he stop being a loser? No. What is he praying for? Vengeance. For what? His eyes. Why did they put out his eyes? He's killed thousands of the enemy. He wants personal vengeance for his eyes. I think, oh, well, well, if he was really, really good, he would say, like, oh, Yahweh, I just want your name to be glorified in all that I do. No. Give me vengeance, God, one time. At least he's praying to Yahweh. Yahweh help, but he's a loser to the end in his own desires. But here's God. Anyway, Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one, his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Whoa. Three thousand people died. Samson wanted vengeance. God proclaimed Dagon. That's the Philistine God, is toast. This is the temple to Dagon. Where is it now? In ruins. 
through God's use of vengeance-seeking Samson. So then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him. They brought him up and buried Samson between Zariah and Eshtaol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. End scene. Curtain comes down. We're done. If you were with me and you saw, yeah, this guy, Samson, he was a loser and I'm a loser too. What Did you see what happened? He's a winner. Why? Because God actually used him to accomplish exactly what God wanted. Not by capacity, not by merit, by grace. Samson gets to be amazingly used. Not for his betterment. No, he dies. He's even motivated wrongly. Give me vengeance for my eyes. He, he was he was deceitful and lying and doing things. It was all the time. Something amazing here, what he brings is his death and what God does is work. God works. It was God all the time. Samson had nothing except God had him. Here's the truth of your life and mine. Samson did more in death than he'd ever done in life. And that's not, not my flesh. It's, I, I want to see Samson rise from the dead and be the hero. I want to, he didn't really die. The crown on him, but, but you know, it's like Spider-Man caught in the, in the rubble. He kind of pushes himself out. Now he has his strength again and he survives and he goes on and he's a great, no, he's dead. I so want God to overlook my badness and make me the strong one anyway. And instead he does this. When I want the story of the loser becoming strong and wise, when I want to see character growth, what I'm longing for is a stronger me. And God says, you die. But I have you. I get a God who saves. I get a God who used Samson to point forward to the one man who would die for many. The one man who would be the savior of the world. And by his stripes we're healed. By his death we get life. By the word of Jesus alone, right? Bringing salvation for his people. I get the love of Christ in two ways. You've got to see this morning that I pray you don't miss and it will be done. But but here's the, here's the one way. God uses people. That's not a statement of badness. That's an awesome, amazing wonder. He doesn't have to. That you and I who are losers, we got nothing. We, we sin. We are sinners. Our desires aren't what they ought to be. Oh, I try. I know what the good is. I see the law and it's beautiful and I want to get there and I strive to get there and I stumble and I fall and I'm not and I sound such a loser. I want to be the strong man. You know what? God uses that person as he wants to by his grace in his spirit to do what the spirit wants to do. Like Samson. You probably won't even realize it, you know. And then even deeper. God used Samson to be a picture of the coming Christ. The one who would by his amazing wonders, death, bring down the enemy, defeat death for you and me. Samson got to be that. Samson the loser. How might God use you, loser? 
We think we have some strength, but we don't. But what we do have is the grace of Christ for us. Not because we have long hair. Not because of the vows we've taken. But because of this. Look at this as we close. By the will of God, it says. Hebrews chapter 10. We have been sanctified. That's the consecrated word. That's what Samson was. Through, not our hair being long, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Do you get it? You get to be consecrated to God by Christ alone. And so our trust is in the promise of Christ that He's actually going to use you, maybe in ways you'll never know, and in strengths you'll never see, and in amazement you think you're being strong, but you're really weak, but He's still using you, even in your imperfection. Sanctified. You. And just as importantly, the loser sitting next to you. Yeah, you can take a look. They're sanctified too. Losers win. Why are we losers? It's because we can't get our eyes off ourselves. On our best day, self-righteousness and self-desire, they overtake us. We are lost on our own before and after we pray a prayer. I see it in myself. I see it in you. How do we win? We win because God uses us, not by capacity or merit, but by grace. Because He loves us, He resurrects us. He, it's a gift given. He's the great God who's done it all for you. And He states to you today, in the strength and the power of the Word proclaimed, that you are forgiven, that it is finished, that you are His. Come, receive this amazing God. Loser, you can win. Let's pray.